You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's going on, U.S. Cellular customers? I've got good news, so don't hit skip, at least not yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What is Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like $1,200 off any phone plus $300 off any tablet. No, I didn't just misread that. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular exclusive offers just for you, just to say thank you. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get $1,200 off any phone plus $300 off any tablet. Terms apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we are going to go very methodically through the Minnesota Vikings. We've done this several times, but I told you we were going to do this. We did a pre-free agency, we did a post-free agency, and now we're doing a post-draft recap. But what I want to do is, now that we're kind of through all that stuff, and there's still some transactions that can happen, I don't care. When it happens, we'll talk about it. But I want to do the official preview um, going week by week. Now, we already did the Chicago Bears, not as officially as I would like, but I don't want to do two Bears episodes in three days, because there's going to be way too much overlap and not necessarily enough to talk about. So, we're going to start this little series here with week two against the Minnesota Vikings doing, a, again, an overall recap. And then my thoughts as far as uh, where we stand and, and uh, you know, our odds of, of being able to beat them. Can we beat them once? Can we beat them twice? Are we going to get swept? Whatever. Obviously, as I said, I don't know, but um, we'll give it the old college try. And as per usual, if you've been around a while, we're going to just go, um, like I said, I, I like to go through the roster top to bottom and just look at what they've got, and, and how does that differ from last year? Obviously, they've got a new offensive coordinator in Gary Kubiak, but I like to start with as much as I know as possible, and that is to take 2018 because we're somewhat comfortable with what the 2018 Minnesota Vikings look like, and then just kind of look at it from there. What is different about this team? What can we expect from this team? And then how does that compare with the brand spanking new 2019 Green Bay Packers that we have talked exhaustively about? So if that makes sense, let's talk about a couple preliminaries. In the uh, description, if you check your bulletin below the episode, I've got a link for merchandise, a couple different links to support the uh, the channel. If you're interested, be head, be, be head and sure check that out. How's that? Does that sound good? Be head and sure to do that. Thank you. Be head and sure to join the Facebook group as well as um, NFLBigBoard.com. Haven't made any updates, but it's still I'm I'm still working through it. I'm I'm still I'm just going through the pass rushers. I'm not super enamored with them, but I could absolutely see between the three top guys, Epinesa, um, Gross Matos, and uh, the other guy, the uh, Ohio State guy, I forget his name. Definitely can see a lot of upside, but I don't think any of them as they are in their current form. I think I think Gross Matos is the guy that kind of, he's, he's not, he's, if I had to draft a guy today, he would be my number three out of those three. If I had to pick a guy that was going to like blow it up and be the top pass rusher next year, it's probably going to be Gross Matos. He's got to put it all together, though. Epinus is a real big name. Um, you probably don't care. If you do, go to NFLBigBoard.com and check it out. A lot of you are probably burned out by the draft, so I'll stop talking. If you're planning on getting a PFF subscription, there is a link for that. I would just encourage you to click on that link and then buy the, the PFF subscription because it uh, throws a little bit of cash my way. Otherwise, be sure to leave a five-star iTunes review. 
and uh, send me a screenshot of that, and I'll get you thrown into a contest where one lucky winner win a PFF Edge subscription. Otherwise, if you have any questions or comments, please call 608-501-0718. Text or call 608-501-0718. We'll take a little break, Ski, and we'll get into it. You know, in the hobby, it's not easy of being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We always hype ourselves up thinking we're going to get some kind of a mint-signed Jordan Love card or something. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates is all just a shot in the dark. That is until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, I finally feel like I know what I'm getting. I don't know if you saw the video me and my son did. That was us on ArenaClub.com looking for new cards for my kid. Still on our YouTube channel. You should check it out. They have an incredible website. Slab Packs are way better than Mystery Packs. Immediately after your pulls, they put your cards safe in a vault. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club's got the card collection platform that you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. That is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So week two following the in Chicago Bears game, which if we win that one, I'm going to feel real good about our season. That's the silliest thing to say. It's going to help me in that moment feel comfortable is I guess what I'm saying. I'm not saying I feel like, okay, we're going to win the Super Bowl now. I just think that week one against Chicago is a big hurdle. The Bears, as new and as weird and as volatile as things have been, are, uh, I mean, they were the, the winners of the division. They're second year into their offensive system, and they got a good defense. Even if it does regress, it's going to be pretty solid. So if we can go to Chicago um, in September, when we don't really know very much, we got a bunch of people that don't know the offensive system and a bunch of new people on defense and a bunch of new, 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 new everywhere and beat the Bears, that's pretty awesome. Because then we go home and play the Vikings, and I'm a little bit less concerned about that game. I'm not saying I'm not scared of the Vikings, because I am a little bit. I'm just saying, as I said, feeling a little bit better about our season if we can beat the Bears week one. Because, you know, the whole uh, lot of question marks thing. Don't really know if this is just going to be a complete dumpster fire or not. And if we can beat the Bears, I know it's at least not a horrific dumpster fire. So that's kind of kind of what I meant by that. So the mainstay of this team really is going to be the uh, the wide receivers and quarterback, and I think they've got the the passing offense here. And, and I'm I'm starting with the offense. The mainstay is going to be their quarterback and Cousins, and then Diggs and Thielen. Now, as you know, I, I tend to kind of go too far in the opposite direction. I, I take what people are saying and I I kind of pull back a little bit. When the Vikings got Cousins, pretty much everybody was like, "Oh man, they got a great quarterback." And I'm saying, "Yeah, no." No, they didn't. I mean, he's okay. He's mediocre. But I kept hammering that. Like, no, Cousins is not good. I was talking to Vikings fans. Like, you're lying to yourself. I was talking to Packers fans who are freaking out about how great he's going to be. It's like, no, not that great. Then he doesn't play super well, and Packers fans are saying he's just a piece of garbage, and I'm kind of going in the opposite direction. And and I haven't changed my opinion. It's still that he's mediocre, but it's sort of the whole, come on, now, let's... (laughs) He's still... A quality, I, I mean, he's he's at the level, I would say, of Matt Stafford. Not the same kind of quarterback, but that kind of quarterback that he's not going to drag a team that isn't capable to the Super Bowl and win it. But he's also the kind of guy that if he's got the right amount of weapons, he can absolutely just carve your team up. Stafford can and has done that in the past if he has good enough wide receiver weapons, running game, whatever. 
And Cousins has done the same thing and, and can and will do the same thing again. So that's going to be the biggest concern. And that hasn't really changed. Thielen has just been, as I said, Thielen is Devontae Adams. Not the same kind of receiver, any of that kind of stuff. But as I said, they're, they've followed the same kind of path. I think the only reason we give Adams respect and we don't give Thielen respect, granted nobody really gives Adams respect outside of Packer fans anyways, but it's just because Thielen kind of came out of nowhere. Devontae Adams was a second-round draft pick. Thielen is an undrafted white dude um, <laughs> that plays for the Vikings and has, you know, had some success. And we, I think we just tend to write that off. But again, if you look at, and yes, I'm using the PFF grades, but just look at this, the trajectory. It was kind of following the exact same path of Devontae Adams. So when I look at it, because my gut instinct is to say, well, Adams is going to continue to go up because he's just a freak and an awesome wide receiver. Thielen, this is just kind of a fluke and he's just going to fall off. I don't really have any basis to stand on other than it just doesn't really make sense that he's doing so well. He is a legitimately freakish wide receiver. Not freakish athletically. He's not Julio Jones, but he's doing a fantastic job being a wide receiver. Stephon Diggs, I, I, I was a as much as I hate the Vikings, I was a big fan of him as a wide receiver the same way I was with DeAndre Hopkins where I watched Stephon Diggs and I was like, wow, this dude's talented. Adam Thielen, last year at least, was better. So, I mean, they, they've got a really good duo and I, I don't know where you stand on that, but that's where you need to be standing. Speaking of over or under hyping, um, Kyle Rudolph, their tight end, has never really been that good. Vikings fans probably hate hearing me say that, but he just hasn't. And you can point to all the stats you want. I don't know or care what his stats are. I'm just telling you. Every year it was similar to like Packers tight ends. Like, oh, this is going to be the year. He's going to be a freak. And you keep hearing that like in fantasy football. Like, you got to get Kyle Rudolph. He's going to really break out. And he never does. And I think at this point everyone's kind of given up, right? The Vikings, there were talks about them maybe trading him. So we got to see what exactly this all means. Now, as far as the Gary Kubiak effect, I'm not overly scared of that. He's obviously got a, a, a fantastic reputation. He's been a head coach for several different teams. He was a Houston Texans head coach from, geez, I don't know, like 10 years or something crazy, and went on to uh, win the Super Bowl uh, as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, as far as the offensive scheme, it's actually pretty similar to Lafleur's. Uh, he comes from a different lineage, but he's a West Coast guy, and he's also got that same uh, outside zone running scheme. So it's going to be a lot of stretch into the outside, and then you know, a lot of uh, play action passes type stuff. The one thing that I think is going to be different between the Packers and the Vikings is the Packers are going to have some success running the football, and I don't think the Vikings are. I could be wrong. They went out and got. Uh, Garrett Bradbury. So, you know, he's a center and that was sort of like the big signing. Everybody's got to get Bradbury because super important in this scheme that you have a center. That's like the most important piece to this outside zone running scheme. So they got the athletic center in Bradbury. They still don't have a very good tackle or, you know, right tackle, very good right guard. They don't have a good left guard. Uh, Riley Reef though, is, is mediocre at left tackle. The other thing I'm hesitant about, or not hesitant, I could care less, but Dalvin Cook is a guy that I've never really liked. I mean, he, he's been somebody I've been trying to prop up because people are a little bit too hard on him. But in terms of his skill set, especially with the outside zone, he's so inflexible. Now, maybe you get him out in space and he can do his one cut and go, and maybe it'll help him out a lot, in which case we could all be in a lot of trouble. But I'm, I'm looking at this team and I'm saying, I don't know what difference you can really have here when you don't have a good offensive line your running backs are suspect. Your tight end is just in a steep decline. He, by the way, is not a good blocker at all. I just, I don't know if I'm super scared of it. Here, here's sort of the, my look at things. And this is really where 
that I don't know thing comes into play. I think worst case scenario, it's the same old Packers defense. You get some pressure sometimes. The defensive backs are garbage. And Cousins kind of carves us up with Thielen and Diggs. And maybe we win, maybe we don't. You know, we'll make a couple stops here and there. You know, get a sack once in a while. Who knows, maybe we'll even get a pick out of it. But overall, they're going to get a bunch of points. And it's a matter of whether or not Aaron Rodgers can score more points. That's option number one. Option number two, we get a little bit more optimistic. And this is where it gets exciting because we're talking about that attacking front. Because whenever I look at things like this with the the defense that we've had since basically 2010, and probably even including 2010, because I was not expecting to have that good of a defense in 2010, it just kind of happened. I mean, we've had some good players, but whatever. I I just have never really been super confident that, oh, I'm not worried about the defense. We could stop anybody. I just, I don't know. But it always feels like when I come into this, like, oh, man, we got to go up against Diggs and Thielen, so they're going to get a ton of points. We can't stop them. The different mentality that I would like to start having is they are in a lot of trouble. Because, yeah, they got a couple good wide receivers, and I'm sure they're going to be able to pick their spots. But again, for the billionth time, Gary, Smith, Smith, Daniels, Clark, Lowry, uh, Montravius, Kingsley Kiki, that doesn't even include when we bring Alexander or Josh Jackson on a blitz or Josh Jones on a blitz or Adrian Amos or when we bring in Burks, who's got a ton of speed on a blitz, or Martinez, who's had some success in that area, or our brand new safety that runs at lightning speed on a blitz. The the amount of pressure that we can bring all the time to just attack and to keep them off their game, especially against this terrible offensive line, just it's it's just going to be domination. Because yeah, okay, so they they've you know they've they've got some good wide receivers and whatever. But if, if our corners can take a step, and that doesn't even include how much better our safeties are. So if you want to take a shot down the field with Stephon Diggs, go for it. Because with Jair Alexander manned up on Diggs and Savage and Amos roaming over the top, I don't know that that's your best option. Especially with that, that front coming. I don't know if you have time to sit in the pocket and wait for that to develop. You might have to sit here and dink and dunk to Adam Thielen all day long. So this, it's kind of nice because I've been talking about the the maybes with the defense, but you can kind of see it a little better when you talk about the specifics here. The little bit of a difference it makes with each player makes a massive difference in a football game. The difference between our corners taking a step and our corners being the same as they were last year could is, is massively different. If our corners are the same as last year, Diggs and Thielen are going to be able to do fine. If they get a little bit better... With our safeties, with this pass rush, this this game is so far over, it's ridiculous. If Rashawn Gary can have a good rookie year, how much of a massive impact does that have? If, if Preston and Zedarius can have good years, how much of a massive difference does that make in this, this specific game? I'm not Forget the whole season, forget the Super Bowl. In this game against the Minnesota Vikings, when they don't have a good offensive line, and they don't have any blocking tight ends, they don't have a very good run game, their entire game is predicated on Cousins and Diggs and Thielen just carving you up down the field. How important is it that Clark and Daniels and Gary and Smith and Smith are getting after the quarterback if they can. And again, I'm not looking for Khalil Mack. Keep him. I don't want him. I want Gary and Smith and Smith and Clark and Daniels to keep getting that 12%, 13% pressure rate. Because again, across five guys, that's a lot. That's more often than not, Kirk Cousins is uncomfortable. Whether that means he can't wait for Diggs to get open, he's got to dump it off. Whether that means he's got to scramble and try to throw it. Whether that means he's getting smacked in the mouth. It makes a big difference. It's so weird because I feel like I'm being a homer when I say this stuff, and I'm not saying anything definitively, but it's, again, why shouldn't it happen? 
We didn't have Adrian Amos last year. We didn't have Darnell Savage last year. We didn't have Preston Smith. We didn't have Zadarius Smith. We didn't have Rashawn Gary. If we can just get these guys who are brand new to the team to just perform barely up to expectations. Give me the two Smith guys given the exactly what they did last year. Let Adrian Amos just do what he did with the Bears. Let Savage get even halfway as close to our expectations of him and let Rashawn Gary be as productive as he was basically in college, which is still that 12 to 13% pressure rate. Just carry that over into the NFL as well as being massively disruptive in the run game, which all these guys, I mean, if you're the Minnesota Vikings and you're trying to establish a brand new run scheme and it's an outside zone thing and you got a, a subpar offensive line and it's a brand spanking new system, this is the last kind of group of guys that you want to go up against. You want to try to have this nice, orchestrated, <laughs> clean, you know, get everybody out, spread everybody out so that you can have these nice, clean running lanes. And you got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and, and Clark and Daniels and Lowry and all these guys just blowing people up. All they're going to do is mess up your nice, clean little system. It's just wrecking you all day. But again, it comes down to what are we actually getting. If Gary can't perform, if Smith and Smith aren't exactly what they were last year, right? They had one big year and it was like, oh man, they're on the you know the upswing. Maybe, or maybe it was just a big spike like we had with Nick Perry. And we got a bunch of Nick Perrys on this team now. I don't know, maybe Amos was only good because he was with the Bears and the Bears had a great system and he's going to come here and play like garbage. I don't know. Here's another way to look at it, though. I really would be shocked if we were anywhere near as bad as we were last year, and I'm pretty sure we had a pretty good shot at beating the Vikings last year, so shouldn't be all that worried about it. We should be able to get something. Again, all new pass rushers, brand new safeties, and pretty much every one of our corners is in their second or third year. And by the way, Tremont Williams, who was probably our second best corner last year, had to go play safety because we just didn't have anybody else, and we could put him back at corner. That would be really, really nice if we could do that. But really, even if our corners don't step up, it's still going to be tough for the Vikings. It's still going to be a situation where you're looking at it going, man, we don't have much to go on. Diggs is going to have to beat Alexander one-on-one, which he can do, but it's going to be real tough. And then Thielen, who's probably going to get double teamed, um, is going to have to be able to beat you know, King and and Amos and whoever else. It's still a tough situation. It's still hard for me to make a case that the Vikings are going to beat the Packers' defense even if our corners don't take a step. I mean, even if if the Smiths and, and, and Gary don't produce anything, it still just means basically... So if, if our corners are the same as they were last year and Smith and Smith are not very good and Gary doesn't contribute very much, we're still a better defense. Because we still have Daniels and Clark, which was the entirety of our pass rush last year, and we have two brand new safeties. And that's assuming Oren Burks doesn't get better. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think how much better this defense almost has to be. And even if we get no growth, no production from any of our free agents, with the exception of maybe Amos, we're still almost guaranteed to be a better defense. Because everything is or should be different either because they're brand new people or because you're in your second year and you're expected to take a step and probably will. So I, I you know, and I don't think this is the kind of defense where it's, it's like you can do that one thing over and over again, right? Like where it's, okay, we can't run the ball and we can't do this, but you know what? We'll just hit digs over and over and over and over again because we don't have an answer. We're going to have an answer. We have so many pieces. We have so many, you know, and we've got a defensive coordinator who's not scared to try different stuff. And I, 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 it's, it's weird that I actually have that confidence 
in this defense. And it's again, it's not perfect. We don't have an elite pass rusher. We don't have the greatest linebackers in the world. We got some question marks with Gary and Savage. I don't know what to expect from the corners, but I still have confidence between the the quality of the players that we already have, the potential of the players we haven't seen, the the expectation of the growth. And then the depth on top of it, the, the massive amount of depth we have along the defensive front, the depth we have at cornerback, even the depth we have at safety. As much as I'm not a big fan of anybody behind Amos and Savage, there's still guys there that essentially, if we make it down to that level, those were our starters last year. So I, I, I you know, and I, I have respect for the Vikings offense. I really do. I think Cook is is better than what we've seen, and I think he could take a step. You know, their their right tackle, uh, Brian O'Neill, could get better in his second year. Garrett Bradbury could be a stud. Riley Reef could continue to play at a decent level. Maybe Pat Elfline gets kicked out to guard and gets a little bit of rejuvenation. I, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? But even so... I have a, a relatively strong level of confidence that our defense isn't, at the very least, not that the Vikings aren't going to score some points, but at the very least they're going to be competent. And that's nice, because I, I don't like being embarrassed by the Packers' defense. And I don't know, I'll, I'll have to see it before I can definitively say that, but I do feel pretty confident. And again, with their lack of offensive line uh, no tried and true running back, a mediocre quarterback, no good tight ends. They don't have a number three wide receiver, so if they want to go three wide, you know, bless your heart. Uh, you know, they lost Latavius Murray, they lost Nick Easton, they lost Tom Compton. Um, not that Easton or Compton were anything super fantastic, but that's still offensive line when they've got some problems with their offensive line. Uh, Remmers, they lost Remmers, Mike Remmers on the, along the offensive line. Uh, Latavius, I actually think, is, is somewhat of a big loss because I think Latavius is actually a decent running back. Latavius just doesn't really get that many opportunities. Uh, you know, not elite, but they've, they've got Dalvin Cook and that, you know, not a whole lot else. I mean, if, if the, either Dalvin Cook doesn't pan out or if he ends up getting injured, what are they going to do? Run Amir Abdullah? There's not a lot. They, you know, they drafted Alexander Madison, so, you know, cool. The other potential interesting thing here could be Irv Smith. If you think he's going to step up in his first year and be a stud, then maybe that's somebody to be competent. And it, it could be an issue from the standpoint of what are the Packers going to do about it. But I would imagine if he's that problematic that he's starting to take over the game, we're, we're just going to see Adrian Amos come down and, and take care of that. I don't know. I, I, I guess... I guess I should give them some respect because I'm super excited about our third-round guy, so I should probably give their second-round guy some respect. But I just really have a hard time saying, you know what, I think we're going to really do a good job against our offense. Oh, wait, they got that second-round tight end out of Alabama. Never mind, we're, in, we're, we're completely in trouble now. We are in so much trouble, man. Forgot about that tight end. Y'all better watch out. Um, other draft picks that could pot- potentially help, I mentioned Alexander Madison. They got Drew Samia. Uh, fourth round guard. They also got Ali Udo. We'll see what Drew Samia can do. I would imagine that's going to be a pretty good competition. He's got a real good chance of um, of actually winning a job, considering how bad things are. But um, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to watch that. But I actually feel pretty good about it. I like, and again, what I really like is that attacking front. I'm excited to see what the corners can do. I'm excited to see what, what the safeties can do. But I want to see this healthy, fresh rotation that is just incessant it just will not stop it is unrelenting it is constant and again it, it's it's not what the bears and the vikings and the lions have with that one guy well the, the lions might have more than one i don't know but you know that one elite guy that just keeps coming from that one side that you got to worry about this is who 
Who who do you chip block? Who do you bring help with? You know, when you want to bring in a running back and the quarterback's like, okay, you stand over here on my right side to block. Where? What? What? Where is he going to stand and why? You better come over here because Zadarius Smith is over here. Okay, well, Rashawn Gary's on the other side, not to mention you got Kenny Clark and you got Mike Daniels and you got Preston Smith and you got everybody else to worry about. The, the, I don't know who the stud is. I, I don't know. I don't know who it is. And that's actually a huge benefit. So I just I just want to see that, man. I want to see the constant the constant getting after it. The constant smothering in the backfield on, on these runs. I want to see the constant chasing of the quarterback. I'm so excited for that. I am so excited. I hope these guys can just stay healthy because I just I just want to see it over and over and over. And then to have that ability on the back end, to be able to hold their the receivers and the tight ends for long enough to actually generate pressure. And then if there is pressure and the quarterback starts to get a little froggy and launch up a pass, bad move. That's the one thing you don't want to do against the Packers defense is lob a ball up there because you got a bunch of ball hawks. Josh Jackson is actually quite good at coming down with footballs. Jair Alexander, pretty good at coming down with this stuff. Darnell Savage, pretty good at coming down with that kind of stuff. You better be precise with where you're throwing that football. I'm so excited for this year. <laughs> I'm jacked for the defense, man. It feels good to be excited for the defense. And, I, you know, maybe I'll get let down, whatever. I'll get over it. But there, there's a lot of potential. But anyways, I'm going to take another real quick break, and then we're going to switch sides here and look at our offense against their defense and see what we got working here. What's going on, U.S. Cellular customers? I've got good news, so don't hit skip, at least not yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What is Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like $1,200 off any phone plus $300 off any tablet. No, I didn't just misread that. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular exclusive offers just for you, just to say thank you. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get $1,200 off any phone, plus $300 off any tablet. Terms apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So this time around, I want to actually start with what, what I kind of ended with last time, is looking at some of the transactions. So they focus pretty heavily on offense, right? Their first picks, Garrett Bradbury, second-round tight end, third-round running back, fourth-round guard. They got Cameron Smith in the fifth round at linebacker. Then they got Armin Watts, defensive tackle. They got Marcus Epps at safety, Chris Boyd in the seventh round, and that's about it. So as far as guys that are going to start day one, I don't know if it's anybody. And that's a good thing for very obvious reasons. Because, again, we know what they have. And they, they've got a decent enough defense. They've, they have that potential that if they can get back to what they were two years ago, we're in a lot of trouble. If they are what they were last year, we, we might be all right. So on top of not really adding very much, they lost Sheldon Richardson to the Browns. They lost Andrew Sandejo to the Eagles. They lost Marcus Sherrill as a cornerback to the Saints. They lost George Aloka to the Cowboys, and Tom Johnson, the defensive tackle, also hasn't signed. 
So that's relatively significant. Um, you talk about Sheldon Richardson up front. Uh, Andrew Sandejo is a good safety. Uh, Cheryl's and Aloka. These are some starting caliber guys. No, I think they're going to be okay with uh, Harris and Smith. Not Harrison Smith, Harris and Smith. But I guess the question is, how do we exactly stack up? So they've got a decent front. I mentioned everybody's got that real elite pass rusher, and for the Vikings, it's Daniil Hunter. He got credited by PFF with 15 sacks. Now, it was somewhat of a Kyler Fackrell situation, where it was kind of a ridiculously high sack conversion rate. But he still had 13% of his, his uh, pass rush attempts were pressures, which is pretty high. I mean, technically, that's about where Kenny Clark was, but still, that's pretty good. What are they at outside of that, though? Everson Griffin is the guy on the other side. Now, as I said, remember, because I, I want to make sure we understand why I keep saying this, and I'm not just being a homer when I say this. We have about five guys across the front that can get after the quarterback. I'm saying that because we're talking about guys that can get to the quarterback about 12% of the time. That's a massively big number, and I, I, I keep hammering it because I've had Bears fans like laughing in my face. Like, you think you guys are better than the Bears. You're out of your mind. Same with Vikings fans. But look at Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin got to the quarterback eight percent of the time. That's worse than Clay Matthews last year. Granted, it was a bit of a down year, and the year before that it was 11%, but the guy's 31 years old, and I don't really see him having a big comeback year. On the inside, the guy that all the Vikings fans love is Mr. Linval Joseph, big, monstrous, 330-pound defensive tackle. He's good, man. Against the run, I mean, he's, he's up there with, like, the Snacks Harrison types. He is as good against the run as you can get. How is he as a pass rusher, though? 8%. That's not good. I don't know if we Packer fans understand how incredible it is what we have right now. Because I tend to think that this is pretty normal, having guys across the line that are about 8 to 8, 9, 10%, and like one guy that's in the 12% category. We've just got a bunch of 12s everywhere. Shamar Steffen, whoever that is, a, a guy that they just picked up. He was a Viking, went to the Seahawks, and he's coming back. You know what his pressure percentage is? 4%. I mean, who, I, I, who else? Jaleel Johnson? He was 4% too. <laughs> what? Anybody else? Who else is on this defensive line? There's nobody anywhere that can get after the quarterback. How about Weatherly? Uh, on the edge. You know, if, if uh, Everson Griffin isn't panning out, fine, let's get a different defensive end in there. Okay, well, Weatherly, his percentage is 8.7. That's kind of garbage. That's like Nick Perry, Clay Matthews territory. Not when they were good, when they were bad last year. To Sean Bauer? He's got two pressures in his entire career. So I, you know, okay. Are you getting the point? I get that they have some talent on this defense. But for the most part, like is true with most teams, it's hard to run against them. But who's getting after the quarterback? They got Daniil Hunter, and he's very, very good. That's about it, though. So am I worried about our abilities on offense against their defensive line? No. They've got Linval Joseph, who's very good, a very good run defender up front. They've got Daniil Hunter, who's very, I mean, he's just a talented guy across the board, but is a very good pass rusher. That's it. Can we run against this, this front? Yes. Can we throw against this front? Yes. And as I've also said, I think their corners are overrated. I think regardless of what they do against Devontae Adams, I think Devontae Adams is going to carve somebody up. And the only real question is going to be, how good are the rest of our wide receivers going to be? Can our tight ends do anything. If it's just Adams and whatever we can do in the run game, this is going to be a low-scoring game because they've got the safeties, they have decent enough corners, and they have a decent enough front to at least suffocate the offense a little bit. But if we have multiple wide receivers on top of Adams, 
if we're able to upgrade our guards so that we not only have Bakhtiari, Lindsley, and Balaga, but we got Billy Turner and uh, Mr. Elton Jenkins out there, and this offense is actually clicking, as in it actually makes sense and guys are where they're supposed to be and Rodgers is making good decisions and is going through his progressions properly and accurate throws and all that kind of stuff, I just I'm having a hard time with this defense trying to match up. But if that's not the case, then you just double up Adams, right? I'm going to put Rhodes and, and Smith on Adams or, or Rhodes and Harris on Adams. And then I got Trey Waynes on Allison because, you know, who cares? I got Mackenzie Alexander, who's actually a decent slot corner, sitting on, on Scantling or Equinemius or whoever we put in the slot, and we're doing fine. Then I just got to get Kendricks and Barr and, and Smith, our strong safety, to come up and make plays against the run, and I think we can make that work. So this is a question of, of where – this is where Lafleur has to shine as far as making mismatches as opposed to with McCarthy it was just a matter of I mean I, I could sit here comfortably and just say this against this guy against this guy is a win this guy against this guy is a loss therefore and I would make some pretty accurate predictions ideally with LaFleur I can't do that because he's he's using his scheme to get guys open regardless of how good the guy is across from him right you're utilizing the mismatches Based on what you've been doing, I'm expecting you're going to do this, and if you do that and I do this, then this guy's going to be open, end of story. And it's not about having an elite wide receiver, it's about just having a guy that knows how to follow instructions, and if you do what I say, you'll be open. And if we can do that, especially with the kinds of guys we got, with Marquez as tall and as fast as he is, and EQ and his measurables, and Geronimo being as reliable and having as good of hands and, and being on the same page with Rodgers, there, there's plenty to work with here. And I, I really think... As I'm looking at this, if the Packers aren't any better, this is a situation where I'm saying there's like a 45% chance we win. If those areas that I talked about on offense and defense do get better, and again, it's not because, I'm not just saying this because, well, both teams could get better. No, I've, I've explained very clearly how the Packers have gotten better and how the Vikings have not. This is the 2018 Vikings against the 2019 Packers. That's essentially what we're looking at here. There isn't a whole lot that's changed with the Minnesota Vikings. There are some changes they made along the offensive line that can be significant. The, the addition of Gary Kubiak can help things out significantly if things fall into place. If you can get these offensive linemen to play properly, if Cook can fit into that scheme, and if not, again, as I said, what options do you have? He's it. And that's it, it's not just the Vikings that haven't really moved that much. Right, The Bears haven't moved that. There's a lot of teams who had some salary cap issues that have made a couple changes, but they're not completely transformed like the Green Bay Packers. This is a great opportunity with a brand new head coach and a bunch of new coaching staff and, and GM and everything else, and still with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL to really just blow past everybody and to make a statement early on that we're not just going to play the Vikings and, and, and you know score a couple more points in them. We're going to annihilate the Vikings because their corners can't hang with our wide receivers and their defensive line cannot penetrate our offensive line and their linebackers can't do anything against our running backs and their offensive line can't stop our defensive line and their wide receivers can't handle our DBs and they can't run just just annihilate them at home do i think that's going to happen probably not not early on in september do do the packers have that ability to be that kind of a team of course they do if Savage can can reach his potential and Gary can be one of the better pass rushers on this team, there, there's no question. With with uh, Josh Jackson taking a step, with Jair Alexander taking a step into becoming one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL, with Kevin King staying healthy and, and reaching his full potential finally, with Oren Burks just being good enough to actually stay on the field, um, 
Yeah, I, I absolutely believe the Packers can and should be heads and tails a better football team than the Vikings. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. There's no reason. The Vikings weren't even good last year. And they were barely better than the Packers, who were in full meltdown mode. This should be an annihilation. I just I just can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the different things that we could do. You know, I'm looking at, well, what about Smith? Well, we can use our tight ends to kind of move him out of the way. And what about this? And what about that? And just trying to wrap my head around all the different things Lafleur can and will do with this offense just gets me so excited. And Mike Patton obviously gets me super jacked up with the, the potential that he has finally having the pieces that he needs probably not as, as perfect as he wants it to be but nobody has anything that's perfect but I do believe the Green Bay Packers on paper are a better football team than the Minnesota Vikings so anyways it was relatively short and um, I'm going to try to mix it up in other words we're not just going to run through this series every day uh, we might tomorrow we might not I don't know but next obviously is week three going up against the Denver Broncos I think that could be a really interesting matchup we've got a a defensive coordinator that knows the Green Bay Packers a little bit better than you would expect for the Denver Broncos. Uh, got a couple familiar players out there. It is going to be in Green Bay, so that's going to be awesome. But uh, pretty solid defense, so that's going to be fun to look at. They've got uh, they went out and drafted some solid pieces, guys like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. I mean, it's a, that's a good football team, man. Scary defense. But uh, anyways, we'll look at that either tomorrow or in the next couple days here. But anyways, I'm going to drop you off here. You folks enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and I will be back bright and early tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye.